When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. I, I think there's another quarterback that's going to be on the market soon that the 49ers are going, to, are going to want to take a look at, and he's in Minnesota right now. I think we all know the history between Kyle Shanahan and Kirk Cousins. This is something that's been going on. For years, I've never seen somebody want a quarterback as bad as Kyle Shanahan has. And it was a deal that almost happened, too. Kyle, uh, Kirk Cousins almost wound up with Kyle in San Francisco. It did not. Uh, and I, I think they're waiting for that deal to, to, to wrap up, maybe even a trade. We don't know if that, that could actually that happen. Was- but these are things that are on the table. Reckless speculation. That was Diana Rossini this morning on Get Up. This is Purple Daily on 1500scorenorth.com, the Score North app, and streaming live on Twitter, Twitch, and Facebook. Rami Makloff in the TCL Broadcast Studios. In for Matthew Collar today and tomorrow, and alongside Courtney Cronin of ESPN.com. Or do we call you Courtney our draft scout? Was that a permanent thing, or was that oh, temporary? Oh, it's a permanent okay. thing. Okay. So permanent through the draft. Courtney our draft scout with us We here have a bump for it and everything, but I don't hours. know if we have any Courtney our draft scout themed content today that's probably going to come for tomorrow because you can't just you know you can't blow it all at once I mean, you right. gotta spread it out throughout we'll, the week we'll but... save that for tomorrow because yeah. diana rosina gave us uh diana rosini i should say gave us uh plenty to talk yes. about here at least in the next 25 minutes before uh we're joined later in the show by a guest to talk about this uh cba deal that keeps hitting snags and i'm afraid is going to affect football christmas but we'll get details on that coming up at 12 30 diana rosini you heard it right there saying that the Viking, or excuse me, the 49ers probably not in on Tom Brady, she thinks, because they might wait and see what happens with Kirk Cousins and his contract situation. Of course, one year left on his deal. Does have a no trade clause, but she threw in there, or maybe a trade, Courtney. Is- yeah. To, to clarify what the no trade clause is, that's his leverage. He can turn down any mm-hmm. sort of trade he wants if that was presented to him, if the Vikings and another team were able to work one out. Um, it's Kirk's deal. Like it's, it's basically, it's on him, his decision. It's no trade clause and no transition tag for 2021. So if he wanted to go to the San Francisco 49ers, if somehow there was a trade that came to fruition where Jimmy Garoppolo would come to Minnesota, finish out whatever's left on his contract, Kirk goes to, um, San Francisco, gets to reunite with his former offensive coordinator. It is possible if he says yes. Mm-hmm. That is obviously if they found it, you know, if the trade partners were, in line and in the whole deal was set up. But yeah, I mean, it is reckless speculation season and the topic at hand, what Diana was talking about on Get Up 
And what's been talked about for the last, you know, two or three weeks is Tom Brady. Right. That's so how this came up. That's how this whole thing came up. And it's just an interesting thing to point out just because of how close this deal was to happening before they got Jimmy Garoppolo in the trade. Um, and the 49ers now, at least on this trajectory with Garoppolo, that's his team. Because right. I was out in, I was out in the Bay Area when this whole thing was kind of unfolding after Shanahan was hired. And then you go through that 2017 season, you think, okay, is it possible? But they traded for him midway, Garoppolo, that is, midway through the season. So then that kind of nixed his plans. But going into that, once he was hired, you thought, okay, it's only a matter of time before Cousins gets here. And I know that Kyle's talked about it uh, publicly, that that was his quarterback. That's who he wanted initially before, obviously, they're in the situation. Yeah, the relationship now. and mutual admiration between sure. those two guys is no secret, Shanahan and Cousins. They, mm-hmm. they were together a long time in Washington, and like you said, Shanahan has made no secret that Kirk Cousins was the guy that he wanted to be his quarterback, and Kirk Cousins has made no secret of how much he liked playing for Kyle Shanahan and working in that system. And it's a similar system here, but not it's not Kyle Shanahan's system exactly, and he really enjoyed his time playing for Kyle Shanahan, playing in that system in Washington. So if there was a team that Cousins might waive his no-trade clause for, I'm not saying would, but might, this is, this seems like a good fit if the Vikings wanted to explore that possibility. Yeah, and he said before that he wants to finish out his career in Minnesota. I mean, that's where he well, sees yeah, himself Yeah, but that's what guys term. say. But if there was any sort of fit... Mm-hmm. The guy who brought him up in this system in Washington, basically a version of the system that they're running now, because obviously, you know, Kyle Shanahan's father is Mike, who worked with Gary Kubiak for a very long time in Denver. So, I mean, the offense would be very similar. I mean, we saw Jimmy Garoppolo bootleg his way into a Super Bowl this year. I mean, they would be running a very similar version of what they did with Garoppolo as they would with Cousins, because I think you can really look at both quarterbacks and see a lot of similarities. And I would put Kirk in the upper, upper, I guess I'd give him the edge there, in terms of who you'd probably want on your team, and who really overall is a better quarterback. Um, but, you know, that being said, if you could unload that cap hit, if you could unload the fi- unload the financial responsibility and not have to have the responsibility of an extension um, and whatever sort of financial bearings that would come with with Cousins, I think that there's reason to at least argue that you'd want to do it. And there's a common misconception out there about Cousins' no trade clause or what the cap hit would be if they did trade him. There's some dead money in it. I know that. If they do it before June 1st, Collar like just... a million dollars. Yeah, he yeah. just tweeted me this the other day. I think it's $1.9 million. Mm-hmm. Because we were talking about, before this even came up, the possibility of a Cousins trade, and he said it was a 31 or $34 million cap hit, and then yeah. corrected himself after doing a little digging. So it's I think if they do it before June 1st, it's a $1.9 million cap hit. Yeah, it's uh, so he's got a $31 million hit in tw- in 2020, so once the new league year kicks in. Uh, his base salary is $29.5 million, so all fully guaranteed. Uh, the workout bonus, $500,000 guaranteed. You know, the proration part of his signing bonus, that's all guaranteed, too. And it's a one it's $1 million in dead money. So... If he agreed to it, and, and that's the bottom line here, right. is as we speculate about potential fits and, and other things like that and trade talks, because, again, this is all centered around Tom Brady, and I'm really looking forward to what Monday brings us mm-hmm. because it just kind of feels oh, like wait. this whole thing, he's the first domino to fall, and I just wonder how quickly in succession so many others do. Because um, since Tom Brady's been dominating the airwaves and really the whole free agent quarterback market, we haven't talked that much about a Kirk Cousins extension because there hasn't been that much buzz about one yet. 
which leads me to believe that the numbers that are being presented to Cousins by the Vikings are not ones that he's necessarily in agreement with and wants to go ahead and sign an extension before free agency. There was a there was a prerogative here for the Vikings to get this done before free agency because then it opens up more opportunities for them to free up cap space, to be active in free agency, um, you know, be lowering his cap number for 2021, 2020, as we just mentioned, it's a $31 million hit. That's a lot. That's 16 point something percent of the cap. Right. Um, getting that number down is, is imperative for this team. You have five or how many days until Wednesday? Oh, five days. No, six days. I'm sorry. Six days. I so, can do I math mean, on the air. It's, it's, it's a week. So, yeah, today's Tuesday. So, I mean, trying to get that deal done in the meantime is, is of ut- the utmost importance for the Vikings, but it just doesn't feel like it's going to come to fruition before that. Um, so I'm curious to see kind of what the next week brings, because as we know, the legal tampering period opens at noon on Monday, and I anticipate there being a lot of movement. When that thing happens, you brought two things to mind for me, one concerning Kirk Cousins, one concerning the Minnesota Vikings as it pertains to Cousins. And I've been saying this for a couple of weeks now, might have been an article from you that I read at ESPN.com that sort of made me come to this realization. Kirk Cousins, I think, has leverage right now where he stands and a lot of leverage. And if I'm him, I'm not signing anything in the next six days because the price for quarterbacks is always going up. And I don't know that it'll ever go up in one offseason as much as it was as much as it will this offseason because of the number of quarterbacks and the caliber of quarterbacks that are out there on the free agent market. If he waits until after Tom Brady and the rest of Mm -hmm. the dominoes fall this year, even waits until next offseason where I haven't looked at the free agent class of quarterbacks for 2021, but I would imagine he'll be at or near the top of that class of quarterbacks, which is going to, that means that he'll be in demand and can probably find at least two teams that are willing to get into a bidding war for him, like he did when he got the contract with the Vikings. If I'm Kirk Cousins, I'm waiting at least a couple weeks to see where all the dominoes fall this offseason, and I'm probably waiting till next offseason to really maximize how much I can make on this sure. next contract. I mean, I mean, that's the leverage that he's earned. Right. Um, whether you like him or not, I mean, he has earned that type of leverage because he won the playoff game. Uh, he did the one thing in his career that he had yet to do, and the team that signed him, they never said, we signed Kirk Cousins to come win a Lombardi trophy. They the next step. So he reached mm-hmm. the next step. So that was the leverage that he created for himself. And really, the ball's in his court with that. And, and we can get into what that does for him in terms of the perception by the fan base, because I think it honestly puts him on thin ice, and I'll explain. Um, but wait until Dak Prescott gets that $33 million a year deal. Wait until see, potentially even next season. I know you mentioned the free agent quarterback class. Wait till Patrick Mahomes gets his deal. Right. And I'm not saying he's gonna, Kirk is gonna be anywhere close to the $200 million quarterback deal that we anticipate for Mahomes. But if he's aiming for a $35 million a year deal, similar to what Russell Wilson has, his agent certainly has a lot of work to do to kind of convince an organization like the Vikings or elsewhere that, hey, I mean, he hasn't won a Super Bowl, but he's worthy of this much. But when you take a look at what other quarterbacks are going to be getting within this bubble that I don't know when it's going to pop. I guess it can Mm -hmm. maybe I think we anticipate it popping after the Mahomes deal or at least somehow coming back down to earth. Because are we going to start paying quarterbacks 41, 42 million dollars a year after that? I don't know. Um, But the situation he's in now by signing a deal, by taking a hometown discount, he really does do himself a disservice by not waiting to see what other guys are going to get because we know 
this quarterback market, somebody's the richest quarterback in the league for a cup of coffee. Right. And even Kirk. I mean, I remember back in 2018, he was the richest quarterback uh, in the NFL on an average year basis for about five seconds until Matt Ryan signed his I was deal. working in Milwaukee at the time and people were laughing at the Vikings like, ha, they think Kirk Cousins is worth is, is worthy of being the highest paid quarterback in the league. And I looked around and I went, they don't think he's the best quarterback in the league. He was just the best option this offseason. And so they had to pay mm-hmm. top market price for him. That's that's how free agency usually works. And you're right. He won't get Patrick Mahomes money. He won't get Deshaun Watson money or Lamar Jackson money. But as those guys keep resetting the market, it trickles down and the rank and file behind them will make more than they would have previous to those contracts being signed. Yeah, and I think that even with Tom Brady, because we know the Patriots don't do deals at market value, right. um, let's see what he gets. Right. He could be in that same sort of range, certainly, um, to at least if you look at the last five quarterback deals that have been done, what, Russell Wilson, Ben Roethlisberger, Aaron Rodgers in there, he's obviously in that range still, even coming upon his 43rd birthday and playing for however many more years. I know he wants to play till he's 45. So you're going to see him get a deal that's at market value. And if he is the first domino to fall in free agency, then the other deals are going to kind of fall in line behind that. You're going to start to see where the whole thing evens out. And then Kirk may say, okay, now that I've seen what everybody else is getting, now I'll go ahead and do this. And even still, the Vikings could be active in the first wave of free agency. Let's say they get something done with Cousins and extension early on next week, uh, either in the legal tampering window, which, I mean, that, it doesn't matter for the, the for them. I'm just, you know, in terms of days, that's where I'm thinking because he's obviously under contract. He's with the team. They can do it whenever they want. They could have done it in the middle of the season last sure. year. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the Vikings certainly want to be active in free agency, and they need the they need the financial wherewithal to do that. So I've said this from the beginning. Even going into the combine, I always felt like Cousins was the first thing that they had to get figured out. And I know that they're actively trying to do that. But like Diana mentioned, um, maybe the reason the 49ers are in this holding pattern, potentially, I mean, they already have a quarterback under contract. They may not want Tom Brady at right. all. Like, I think it's I think it's a $4.5 million cap hit if they trade if they Garoppolo, trade Garoppolo. Or cut sure. Yeah. sure, but um, Cousins' contract is up after 2020. Let's say the Vikings and Cousins can't come to an agreement on an extension and he becomes a lame duck quarterback, so to speak, going into his last season. Mm -hmm. He plays out this year. He could go there next year, and then they can worry about whatever they want to do um, with moving Garoppolo via trade. Um, Like This could all end up playing out exactly how she was speculating on, you know, just with the movement piece, the part of it, the pieces that would have to go in succession for Cousins to get there. Maybe it's all a matter of time and waiting because, A, it kind of benefits him to wait just from from his perspective of seeing what everybody else gets. But also, maybe his better fit or maybe where he wants to be eventually would be somewhere else. And he only has to wait another year of playing in this offense to do that. Now, like I said, he has, Cousins has the leverage. If if we're talking about negotiations between Cousins and the Vikings, I think the way that the Vikings can flip the script a little bit and gain some leverage themselves in this whole thing is you go to Kirk Cousins. You said Cousins has said in the past, I want to finish out Mm -hmm. my career in Minnesota. I think that's just something guys say because it doesn't look good to the hometown fans. If you were to say otherwise, it feels like, yeah, Minnesota's cool, but I could go play somewhere else and be happy. Yeah, I don't expect the next three years to go so well. So we're going to see how this whole thing shakes out. But let's say he means it. Let's take him at face value and say he means it. That's got to be a two-way street, and the Vikings have to say, well, we want you to be a Viking for the rest of your career, and we're willing to pay you to do just that. If they go to him and they say, look, we... uh." 
we're not sold on you as our quarterback beyond 2020. You have one year left on this contract. Let us explore some deals for you. And you go to the 49ers and you say, you really want Kirk Cousins? Why don't you get him now? Because we all know the window doesn't stay open for that long to be a competitive NFL football team. If you think this is the quarterback, this is the piece that you plug into the middle of your team and and it puts you over the top. Why don't we work out a deal? You get that piece now rather than let your window close a little bit over the next year or so. Kirk Cousins is happy. The 49ers are happy and the Vikings are happy. And that way the Vikings have a little bit of leverage. Whereas if they just want to negotiate some kind of extension with Kirk Cousins, they really don't. And the price keeps going up every day. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll say this about the leverage play that they could also, you know, if they wanted to bring this up. Kirk is very image conscious and we know that. I mean, he's got he's got a whole brand team around him. He is every quarterback seems to be in this model where you have marketing people, your own special PR people, um this brand that you've cultivated and built. And him saying, you know, want to, he wants to stay here in Minnesota play out the rest of his career when he signed uh in 2018. I remember the introductory press conference that was among the first things he said that, you know, assuming it all goes well, this is where he'll finish his career. Well, Taking a hometown discount doesn't do him any favors. Right. But in the image department for a fan base that has been very skeptical of him, how is that going to look when you want another fully guaranteed deal after you've made buku bucks your entire career? Two franchise tags, which came at an incredibly high cost. Yep. Another fully guaranteed deal, which killed your team's ability to go out and be active in free agency. And then now, let's let's say, and, and we don't know the figures yet, but let's say that they're, they're sitting on this because they don't want, they, they want to uh, have another fully guaranteed deal. That's going to look greedy. Right. I'm just saying, I'm trying to play devil's advocate here. If you're looking at this fan base that said, what have you really done? You won us one playoff game. What have you actually proven on a consistent basis? And now you want all this extra money? I don't think that's any small factor for someone like Kirk Cousins. I really don't. I think that there's, that weighs into the decision of how he's viewed beyond his team. I mean, his teammates, too. I mean, we've asked players. Matthew and I have been in that locker room shortly after Kirk signed, and even, you know, last year. Like, how, What did that contract do to the locker room? Mm-hmm. You see guys, I mean, we talk about this in the CBA, where there's only such a small percentage of players who are making these millions and millions of dollars in the rest of your roster, and what that did to their inability to keep players like Sheldon Richardson, Latavius Murray, all those other guys around last year. Now you want another fully guaranteed contract, potentially? That, I don't know. I just think from the perception factor, the Vikings could use that as a leverage play to be like, look, you know, we like you. Right. You know, and we like you enough. We want to give you this extension to keep you around now because it's going to help us. But, you know, we've already done a ton for you. We gave you a fully guaranteed deal, three years, $84 million. It's unprecedented. You know, it hurts us to do it again. Try to understand that. And... You know, he can, he doesn't, and it's business is business. He doesn't have to agree with that. But I do think from the backlash and the flack that he would get by pushing for another fully guaranteed deal and not agreeing to somewhat of a hometown discount could hurt him. If I was in his position, it wouldn't factor in as well. But like you said, I'm not Kirk Cousins. He's very image conscious. And, and if he's going to be in Minnesota long term, he definitely wants to win over the Minnesota fans, especially the ones sure. who are still a little skeptical. And of there him. are plenty. Right. There oh, plenty. absolutely. No doubt about it. Now, last week sometime, Mackie asked me on Mackie and Judd with Rami, weekdays 4 to 6, scorenorth.com and the Score North app, anytime you want to go and listen to it. 
to come up with a scenario where Tom Brady gets into is is put in a Vikings uniform. He's the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings. And I said, you have to find a way to either force or convince Kirk Cousins to waive his no trade clause. And 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 then that frees up the money to go and get Kirk Cousins, whether it's some kind of three way deal. I don't know. But that's mm-hmm. that's the first domino that has to fall. And I got called all sorts of four letter names and we made an audiogram out of it, as I usually do when those audiograms are made. And that's fine. But what I said was Tom Brady or no Tom Brady with the quarterback class that's out there this offseason between the free agents and guys who, according to credible reports, are are varying degrees of available via a trade. Cam Newton, guys like that. You would be doing yourself a disservice as an organization and not doing your due diligence if you've already decided we're not signing Kirk Cousins to an extension to not try and find a way right now within the Vikings organization to get out of that contract and move forward at the quarterback position. Now, do you think this is something realistically that they're talking about within the Vikings, that they're ready to move on from Kirk Cousins and trying to maneuver a way to do that as soon as possible? Well, I won't say it's via trade because I haven't heard that of them trying to at least come up with a situation to present him to be like, hey, you want to waive your no trade clause? I have not heard that. But it is a very realistic possibility that they will have to draft a quarterback and draft one high, as in the second round. Mm-hmm. There's, I cannot see Rick Spielman on draft day or the night before or anything like that getting so eager and aggressive as to potentially trade your number 25 pick. Um, I know Matthew's thrown out the idea of trading Daniil Hunter, packaging that to move up to two to get that two That was up. another audiogram that got me plenty we, of four We've been talking about that, I feel like, since since the beginning of February. So it's it's been a long few weeks. Um, but I do think that while they won't be going after the top three or four quarterbacks in this class, just because you don't want to lose all the draft capital that you have built up, and I just don't know if Tua is the right fit He's not necessarily the right fit in a Mike Zimmer type mm-hmm. team. Um, but you can definitely go get, or not Tua, excuse me. Tua would be fine. I'm t- I was going to bring up the Jalen Hurts argument. I, okay. just, I just confused myself. Sorry. Um, I do it all like, the time. If, if, if you go after Jalen Hurts as a second round pick, it makes sense. Now, would he be the right fit in a Mike Zimmer team? I'm not sure. Um, but that's more of, at least in my mind, a likely possibility of getting a second round quarterback um, than trying to trade up and get Tua Tagovailoa. Be, you know, via you know, sending somebody from your team currently and your first round pick, that doesn't feel likely. But there is a very realistic conversation happening right now, based on the fact that Kirk may not sign the extension. Right, and then you can't you can't put yourself in a bind if you still believe your window to win now is is open, and and depending on whatever degree it's open. You have to have another quarterback, and I think it's smart to draft one anyways. A, you don't have a backup on your roster right now. I mean, Jake Browning. On the practice squad last year. You go get Kyle Sloter back, though. That's always an option. (sighs) Man, yeah, that would be... That would be fun for this fan base. I know that we would have a lot to talk about. Um, That's which, at Rami is tweeting, if you're wondering, Kyle Sloter fans. Or, be doing that, Rami. or Kyle Sloter's dad, whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll steer clear of that. But um, I, I think that there's reason that you'd want to go draft a second, use your second round pick on a quarterback because you just don't know what the future holds with Kirk Cousins and you need a backup quarterback. And let's say Kirk is awesome this year. You have somebody in the wings like a Jalen Hurts. Just I'm just going to throw that name out there because we haven't really dived into the second round, third round quarterbacks just yet that I think would be. I'm fits. on the Jordan Love bandwagon. 
I like him. This year's Patrick Mahomes. I like him. He won't him, be, but, but he won't be every at year. Every year there'll be this year's Patrick Mahomes. Sure. He'll be the first one. So I'm just going to get on that train right That's now. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, and I like him, and I think that the the Justin Herbert Jordan Love debate is fun and it's healthy and it's good draft pre draft talk for sure. Um, I don't know if the Vikings would be in play for him. How much they'd have to give up to move? Like, where, where is he projected right now? Top fifteen, sixteen. Love. Yeah, he keeps moving up. I was seeing like, second round in the first in the early projections, and then the more Todd McShay talks about him, the more he climbs. And now I'm seeing like mid to late first round, like between sixteen and twenty five ish. Yeah, I feel like I've seen him. I know in some of our mocks, which you know we'll we'll get into the mock draft world uh, with the fan sided stuff that Matt and I do on the show. We can do that probably tomorrow. Um, somebody sent us a draft sim that I think had either Tua. Falling to twenty, they they took a picture of like the whole thing. It's like wow, I can't believe he fell that far. Okay. Uh, maybe something about the medicals. I guess fan fan sided seems to know more about that than draft analysts. But um, if there was a quarterback in play for them within the sixteen to twenty five range, you could make the argument of trying to trade up. I just think that getting up way too high just doesn't feel realistic. But you know, to circle back. What this brings up is the fact that they need another quarterback. They need another voice in the room. Sean Mannion's gone, mm-hmm. so you need a backup. Why not go get him through the draft, and why not have a succession plan? Like as I said, like let's say Kirk has a great year this year, then you just trade whoever your second round pick was if he's if it was indeed a quarterback. Yeah, there's never a shortage of teams looking for quarterbacks. Yeah, and I think the whole adage that you know if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. That's that's BS in today's world. I mean which is the right quarterback. I mean, if there was ever a time where you needed to pull Kirk out of a game and have somebody who could be a viable backup, and we haven't seen that in his first two seasons, you know, knock on wood for him, obviously in terms of health, but also being able to handle the situations even when games have not gone the Vikings' way, you know, well, what happens if if that script gets flipped in year three? And there is a situation where you need to go to that. You need somebody that you know comfortably speaking, can handle the ra- take the reins of the offense and handle what's asked of him. And real quick, to circle back around where we started with Diana Rossini, talking about Kyle Shanahan's mm-hmm. obsession with Kirk Cousins and fueling reckless speculation that maybe they try and trade for Cousins this offseason, or the Vikings just approach them about that. I don't think it would be a Cousins for Garoppolo trade, because you're right. While Kyle Shanahan seems to really uh, value Kirk Cousins and what he thinks he can bring to a football team, I think that would be the Vikings punting on Kirk Cousins and not wanting a very a, Kirk Cousins like quarterback yeah. in return. I think it would it would have to not be for Garoppolo or be some kind of three way deal. There's a lot of talk that if Brady goes to San Fran, Garoppolo back to New England, maybe a three way trade that maneuvers Garoppolo back to New England. But I'm in my scenario, in my reckless speculation, and in my mind, it's not cousins for Garoppolo. It's either a three way deal or cousins for draft picks, and they mm-hmm. figure out what the hell they want to do with Garoppolo. I'm not looking to get Jimmy Garoppolo in a Vikings uniform. I in don't this think deal. it changes. Like I said, like when you're weighing both of them, like I take Kirk honestly, right. and you know I think he's the better of the two quarterbacks. Um, and the scheme obviously helped Jimmy Garoppolo. Right. I mean, I know there was a the whole argument of you don't need him to throw to win games and all of that. Well, that was kind of the argument that the Vikings had early on. Like very similar circumstances, very similar offenses. I think you just be what you just be replacing a version of Kirk if it was a player for player trade, which honestly we don't honestly see that often with the quarterback position anyway, so it'd be kind of unprecedented. Um but what type of haul could you get for something like that? Like does that mean that 
you'd do it and then you'd already have a quarterback drafted or would you be looking at, you know, the free agent market? I mean, how I soon Teddy does this need to happen? Teddy coming back here? Yeah. I mean, that would be a great storyline. But right. once again, you know, I still think if he, if this were to play out somehow, the best option would be no extension this offseason, let him play out 2020, and then he can go there as a free agent, and then they figure out what they want to do with Jimmy Garoppolo and let that be San Francisco's problem. we got to get to a quick break. That's Courtney Cronin. I'm Robbie Makloff in for Matthew Collar today. After the break, Brooke Pryor of ESPN.com. She'll try and explain to us just what is going on in these CBA negotiations. It's Purple Daily on 1500, scorenorth.com, and the Score North app. Score North Download Time. Jonathan Harrison here with this hour's download. Score North has a brand new golf show. It's called 10,000 Swings and features Brad Cole and David Branstead, two golf geeks breaking down the latest in golf culture around Minnesota and the latest stories from the PGA Tour. You can find 10,000 Swings every Monday night at 7 p.m. right here on Score North on AM 1500 or on demand on Apple, Spotify, or the free Score North mobile app over at scorenorth.com and on that free score north mobile app judd zolgad he's down in fort myers right now and he is publishing article after article right now on twin spring training one on the rehab of byron buxton and whether he can change his daredevil ways in center field also nelson cruz his plans for retirement and how they don't how he doesn't plan to retire anytime soon that's over at the free scorenorth.com and the free score north mobile app that's been your score north download now back to purple daily on 1500scorenorth.com score north app streaming live on twitter twitch and facebook rami makloff in the tcl broadcast studios in for matthew collar alongside courtney cronin today and tomorrow joining us now on the show from uh, espn nfl nation to try and explain to courtney and i who are pretty clueless as it goes as it pertains to uh, cba negotiations just what is going on there is brooke Pryor. brooke thanks for a few minutes how are you this afternoon can you punch her up, Jonathan? I can't reach. Okay, there we go. I'm sorry, Brooke. Oh, here I am. There you are. <laughs> I'm also trying to make sense of all the CBA stuff. It is it is a mess, but maybe we'll have some clarification on everything later this week. Let me start here because I think this is, quite selfishly, this is probably what most NFL fans are worried about right now. Does any hang-up in these CBA negotiations and the upcoming vote of the Players Association, does it risk messing up football Christmas for us next week and the start of NFL free agency? Uh, I don't think so. I think the league has been pretty firm on free agency starting next week. That timeline hasn't been pushed back at all. The things that have been pushed back are the vote, which now thought we were going to know Thursday midnight. Now we'll know Saturday midnight. Uh, The franchise and transition tag, that deadline's been pushed now to Monday at noon. Um, and then a minute later, we'll switch into the legal tampering phase. But then free agency is still on schedule for the 18th. Um, and so I believe everything's going to continue to be on track there. So the weird thing here is that they have this like day and a half period. Um, let's call it that. So Saturday night, midnight on Sunday morning, Eastern time. We know if there's going to be a new CBA, if they're going to continue on with this one that runs out in 2021. And then we figure it out from there. But the big thing at the center of this is are they going to have our teams going to have one or two franchise or transition tags? Can you use can you use one or can you use both? I mean, that's the big thing here. So then there's a deadline Monday of who will be a free agent or not. And then in all of one minute, you need to figure out. And obviously they've got. <laughs> 
plans in place and in in ways to you know mitigate this so you're not deciding about your team's future within 60 seconds but how is that supposed to i guess just how how is that viewed by teams right now because it seems like everything's falling into this time crunch at the very end where having the difference between one tag or being able to use both of them is pretty significant especially if you're a team like the Dallas Cowboys who has multiple guys who could fall in that category yeah, exactly. I think this is the time when you're really going to see which teams do their homework extensively and which teams, you know, come up with contingency plans on contingency plans and really plan through all of the possible scenarios and which teams are really flying by the seat of their pants here. Um, I think that most teams are going to fall into that category of, of planning everything out carefully. Um, when you look at a team like the Steelers right now, I think that they're only looking at one tag right now. They were, I believe, expected to tag Bud Dupree, um, and now, uh, and if, you know, the other timeline had been, um, had still been in place where we were going to know the, where the, the franchise tag deadline was going to close Thursday, and then we know the vote by Thursday night, you could be in a situation where they could tag two guys and then have to rescind a tag. Uh, but at least this new plan kind of prevents that from happening. We're not going to have that, have to make that awkward call of, okay, we've tagged guys. Just kidding. Now we have to break up with one of them. Um, so it at least kind of clears that up and gives them, you know, 36 hours or so to really come up with um, with the plan of which guy they need to prioritize and, and which guy they need to, to tag and keep under team control. Talking with Brooke Pryor of ESPN NFL Nation here on Purple Daily on Score North 1500 and the Score North app. There is one year left on on the current existing CBA. Why does it seem like there is an urgency among the Players Association to try and get something voted through this offseason and, and before the new league year kicks off next week? Why why don't why do you think it is that there's this urgency and they don't exercise really what is some leverage that they have in in waiting for to get a little bit closer to the end of this CBA? Well, you know, I think it depends on who you talk to with who wants this done quickly. Right now, I know that there's been some reports that some owners now want the NFLPA to vote down this proposal. Um, That, me, kind of seems a scare tactic because all along it's been the owners really pushing to get the CBA through now because you have TV deals that are going to come up for negotiation in the very near future, and they'd like to have this new CBA in place when that kind of comes up to be able to negotiate things like the 17th game um, that would come into effect pretty soon. Um, and I think that then you talk to some players who um, who don't want to vote this through, who want to be able to go back and renegotiate things and get a bigger cut of, um, of, of the revenue and get a better deal for themselves. So I think you have two very polarizing sides here. One side that very much would like to push it through to be able to go to the negotiating table these uh, TV company networks and the other side, they would rather bring everything back and, and kind of go back to the drawing board uh, with this, with this uh, deal. So there were already a bunch of players who had filed their votes before yesterday's extension of the deadline to do so, which moved from Thursday to Saturday night, very late, 11.59 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, and they were told, according to ESPN's Dan Graziano, that they're not allowed to change their votes. So some players who now have changed their mind on it are not allowed to alter their response to that. That seems like a really 
strange thing that's going on here. I mean, can you try to make can you help us make sense of that? Like why why is why is this the case here where you're not allowed to change your vote? It just especially now that they have a new president of the NF, NFLPA is the Brown Center um who got JC uh, Treader who got the uh nomination and obviously won the election for that today. Um what do players I mean what what does this do for players right now of those who have already cast their votes and those who are still waiting? Yeah, I mean, I think that if you allow guys to start changing votes, then it just gets even more confusing and convoluted than it already has been. Um, it's not like they've added something new to the proposal since players started casting their votes. I think it's also a word of caution to guys who haven't voted yet to make sure that you really know which side you're standing for and which side you agree with before you click that button. You know, there's 456 pages of this document to go through. The longer that it's out there, the more players you have that are coming out and saying, hey, here are the important things, or hey, I've had my attorney or my agent or whoever review this extensive document and really give a rundown um, and, you know, whether you should support yes, whether you should, should support no. Um, and so I think the guys that voted early are having some voters remorse here by, you know, opening up the document, scrolling all the way down to the bottom without fully reading it and voting. And as more information comes out, they're realizing that, oh, maybe I actually feel this way, maybe I actually feel that way. But I think the NFLPA is saying, hey, look, if we allow one person to do it or one group to do it, then what's the cutoff? You know, do we just allow people to change their votes all over the place until midnight on Saturday? Um, So I think they're just trying to maybe clear up some confusion that could come in the voting process if they allow guys to start recasting their votes. You mentioned some reports out there that there are owners who are hoping that the Players Association votes this down because... They think, A, they're giving up too many concessions financially in this deal, which is hilarious to me with my limited knowledge of CBA negotiations and what they're actually giving up. But also that whatever agreement the owners sign and the players sign is going to be in place for the next 10 years, including a 17-game schedule. And some of the owners want to push through an 18-game schedule sooner than the next 10 years. But it, it sounds like you don't think that's... That's a real thought that's out there. This is more of a scare tactic of saying to the Players Association, hey, you, you think this deal is bad? Wait till the deal we try and push across the table next year. Right, exactly. I mean, I, I can't say that I've talked to every owner, but that it very much does feel like a tactic to get these guys to vote yes on this one rather than scrapping everything and going back um, to, to building this deal from the bottom up. Because these owners are saying, all right, fine, you don't want this one, we'll give you something worse. Um, I And I think you make a good point there about the concessions that the owners say they feel like they're giving up too much. I think this deal is still firmly in favor of the owners. Yes, it does benefit a majority of the league that are on um, minimum deals here. Um, the, the guys that it really hurts are the superstar players that are making much more than the minimum. Um, but I, I do think that the owners, the idea that, that they're giving up too much is is laughable, um, and I don't think that that is a real narrative that um, that these owners really want at the end of the day. So it doesn't feel like we're ever going to truly see the fifty fifty revenue split. And you know, the players are the talent; they are the product. The owners are the ones with the billions of dollars and and funding these teams. Uh, they certainly don't want to get back to where they were in the late nineteen eighties, having to get replacement players and all of that. But let's say that this deal does not pass. And I know that there are those fear-mongering tactics out there 
from reports that we've read that that's what the owners ownership potentially wants in order to be able to go back and try to get an 18th game added into the next negotiations whenever that happens. But what happens if this doesn't pass? Obviously, we know there's still one more year left on the current deal. But beyond that, what are we looking at? Right. So the 2020 season will be played regardless. That is not in jeopardy at all, regardless of whether or not this deal gets passed. The 2021 season, that's where I've talked to some players who have said, yeah, you know, we're prepared to hold out. If we don't get what we want out of out of a deal that's negotiated, if, if this one doesn't pass and we go and we try to negotiate another deal and we don't get the things that we're asking for, we'll hold out. Um, and that's, that's kind of a movement that's led by guys like the Pouncey Twins. I believe Kenny Stills has said that he would help with that. And these guys are saying, hey, we're going to help pay into a fund that will then help pay some of these players that are minimum guys or guys that don't have much money to help them get through any kind of work stoppage or, or lockout. Um, and I think that that's, that's an important thing that these guys are doing. I think a lot of it is just kind of a gesture. I don't know that they would really be able to come up with the amount of money that they would need to distribute to all these guys to, you know, have to give them a livable wage while there's a lockout. Um, but I think that if this deal doesn't pass, it's going to continue to get messier um, and more contentious. And these meetings have already been incredibly contentious with the players in the NFLPA, uh, players reps and the executive committee really going at it against each other and then against ownership. Um, and so I think that we're going to see this become a really even more long and drawn out process if this deal isn't passed um, in its current form. One more for you, Brooke. Is there, have you sensed or has anybody vocalized a distrust of Demoris Smith in this thing? Because sometimes when I hear what he has to say and, and it, describing their position in these negotiations, it doesn't sound to me like he's fighting all that hard for the players or that he always has their best interest in mind. But then I try to be reasonable about it, and he's in an almost impossible position because there are such different and varying interests within the Players Association that I think at the end of the day for everybody to be happy when this thing is over, including the superstars who knows they're all but guaranteed a long and successful and very uh, rich career and the guys who really don't know what their future is in this league and are just trying to scrape by, I don't see how he can please everybody in the Players Association but at the same time, like I said it doesn't always seem like their best interests are necessarily on his mind Right, no, I think that's exactly it. I think that there are a lot of guys who are frustrated with D. Smith and, and believe that he was not negotiating in the best faith for them, for, for things that would help these guys out in the long run um, I've talked to some players that have expressed a lot of frustration um, with the role that he's had. Um, and I think that one thing I was looking for toward uh, the player vote for the um, the new NFLPA president today, like Casey Treader elected today, and it was interesting to see kind of the candidates that were up for the vote. Sam Acho, one of the nominees, Michael Thomas, one of the nominees, and then, of course, J.C. Treader, a nominee. And both Michael Thomas and Sam Acho, you knew their positions going into it. Samacho voted yes, uh, Michael Thomas voted no, and J.C. Treader was kind of right down the middle. He put out some points that he believed in the, uh, that, that he felt about the CBA. Hey, here's, you know, kind of what these things mean. Um, and then you had, you know, these other two guys who were incredibly polarizing, and I think if you saw Michael Thomas selected, then there may be a movement to really publicly talk about how frustrated these guys are with D. Smith, I mean, you saw Russell Okun filed a lawsuit um, that named 
that named E. Smith mm-hmm. throughout it as someone who was intimidating the players and trying to get them to vote for the CBA and trying to silence them. Um, and then I think if say Macho had been the guy elected, then that would have been a vote of confidence in among the players in what D. Smith was doing. Instead, they elected a guy that was widely seen as a unifying force um, that, you know, no matter how he personally felt about the CBA, he wanted to bring the two sides together. So I think even if D. Smith was on thin ice with the players and with the with the player reps, I think that he's had some heat taken off by the election of this president. That's Brooke Pryor of ESPN NFL Nation. You can follow her on Twitter at B.E. Pryor. And I'm looking at your Twitter account right now, and your pinned tweet is about Juju Smith-Schuster and his dog, <laughs> Bougie, who you went to the dog park with. And I could spend a whole 10 minutes with you on that, but unfortunately we're out of time, Brooke. But uh, we want to thank you for your time <laughs> and the insight on these uh, CBA negotiations. No problem. Thanks for having me on. There's Brooke Pryor from ESPN NFL Nation. Football Christmas is still on. Yeah. That was really, that was the only takeaway that I really needed from that. I mean, it's good to be more informed on the situation, but my main concern was, is football Christmas at, ri- football Christmas at risk right now? And it doesn't sound like it is. Free agency will go as planned next week. Well, and they had moved that date back to March 18th initially, because you, you know, you have free agency between the combine and free agency, there's about a week. So last year, it was starting right around now. I don't know the exact date. I think it was like the 13th or something of March. So they knew that the vote was going to be coming up. And so that's why weeks or months ago they, they made free agency on March 18th when they were figuring out the new league year. But I think it's smart to not keep pushing it back because then you run into a shortened period between free agency and the draft and then the draft and minicamp and OTAs. And it just feels like you're just dragging out the inevitable here. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, people I've spoken with from agents to people around the league seem to think that they seem to think that this thing is going to pass regardless of all of the very big name players. This offseason yes. before the new league year. Before the new league year. Uh regardless of people like Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, you know, some of the big name guys saying, you know, things against the CBA and it is interesting. I wonder if players know what they're reading. And I'm not saying that in any sort of sense of, oh, they can't figure out what they're going through with the 456-page document. I mean, that's a lot. Right. Um, I know Eric Reed. I think anybody who's not like well-versed in, in finances and negotiations sure. of this scale would struggle with how many pages is she 456. there? 456 pages? And and that's I'm sure guys have given it to their lawyers. I know Eric Reed, safety for the Panthers. I follow him on Twitter, so I was looking at his account this morning. His lawyer's gave him a four-page bullet point by bullet point As far as what it would mean for him. What it would mean for everybody in the league and why not to vote for it. And I do think that the sticking point here, at least one of the things I I saw in there was, you know, the 50-50 revenue split, you know, it should be that. It's never going to be that. Your boss is always going to have leverage. Mm -hmm. He hires you, essentially, and so he's always going, he or she are always going to have the upper hand there. So I don't think it's ever going to be that if that's what players want, because we know that the revenue share and the split, which in Jeremy Fowler's article on ESPN.com, I believe it was Sunday, he quoted somebody who said that they some owners felt that was too generous, going from forty seven to forty eight and a half percent in terms of the revenue split in this new CBA. Now that's only one and a half percent, but when you're talking about billions and billions and billions of dollars, it owners are probably going to be um, wanting to raise an eyebrow with that. And you can agree with it; you you don't have to. I mean, there's there's reason to believe that players should certainly be getting more, especially you know the bottom half of your roster guys who will never 
ever come close to the type of money that Aaron Rodgers and those guys make. But, um, you know, this is the off season. A lot of, and some people I've spoken with are like, are players even going to, you know, vote for this? Like, I'm curious to know at the end of the day what the total is on the votes that go through. And obviously now it's gotten more media attention, but Aaron Rodgers was on uh, ESPN Milwaukee, I think on Friday, mm-hmm. and said it was kind of frustrating the amount of texts that he sent out to players on his team that did not get a response back. And I'm wondering, you know, do, do players now feel the pressure? To try to not get this thing to pass. I mean, as we talked about, if you if you filed your vote, you're not allowed to change it, even with the extended deadline. And Brooks, right? There is no, there's nothing new that's been added into that. But I do think there might be some remorse. Maybe guys who already voted yes, and then they're starting to actually read through the document and figure it out. Maybe they don't want to do it now. And I think. A lot of people, myself included, because I, I I come down hard on Demora Smith often about how weak the NFL comes off in these negotiations. But I think we forget really what a tough spot that is. Most unions, at least to my knowledge of unions, which is limited, admittedly, but they have up and down through the rank and file similar or at least mutual interests. In terms of the NFL and the, and the membership of that Players Association, they have such varying degrees of interest. Aaron Rodgers and what he gets out of this deal is very different out of a guy who's fighting and scraping and clawing just to stay on an NFL mm-hmm. roster and doesn't know if his career will be more than this season or at the most two or three seasons. The, the, the interest of the guys at the very top and at the very bottom are so different that DeMora Smith is in an almost impossible situation to make everybody in his association happy at the end of this thing. Yeah, I've been curious because I don't honestly know the answer. How much longer does he get to remain in his position? Is it a voted in position or is it, you know, for what he does with the NFLPA, is there a potential chance that we see new leadership leadership over the entire thing? Because obviously, from the player's perspective, um, you know, there's a voting process that goes through that. I was always wondering, like, how did he get his spot and how does he get to keep his spot if there are this many, you know, grievances? And obviously with what Russell Okun, um, you know, had threatened to file, like just given, you know, all the stuff that was threatened towards him of criminal, you know, or what is it, you know, prosecution and intimidation tactics. Like, I'm curious, like, how can he keep his job? when there's all this flack around him. And the local angle on this thing, not to keep harping on Kirk Cousins, but this might affect his decision in terms of if the Vikings do approach him about some kind of contract extension this offseason. The escrow rule is the number one thing there. If this deal is voted down, if I'm Kirk Cousins, there's there's already more money to make Mm -hmm. as it stands right now. If if there's a new CBA set to be signed next offseason and more money or a bigger slice of the pie for the players next year, that puts even more money on top of the contract that... He can get if he just waits this thing out rather than agreeing to any sort of extension. Yeah, and I mean, like, like wait, what I was mentioning with the escrow rule—that's obvious. That I didn't understand. I'm gonna be—I was—I so, re- was reading because J.C. Treader put out like bullet points of like the important things players mm-hmm. should be looking at. He tweeted that out this morning, and I was looking at it, and that looked like French to me. And I don't know so French. It's an antiquated rule from the '70s where ownership has. To, it was so owners couldn't guarantee guys big contracts, and then all of a sudden, like, not have the money to pay them. So it was the way of basically saying, all right, well, we put this certain percentage of it in escrow. Um, I think for Kirk, it was $82 million or somewhere in there. Or excuse okay. me, it was, it was an $84 million deal. It was the first two years of what those guarantees were. Um, and you have to put that in escrow to show that you can pay it eventually. 
I they didn't do away with the rule, but they upped. What, so they don't give the money to the player up front. It goes into escrow, and they're giving it. It's giving it to them in installments over the course of the deal. Yes, and it's basically just so people didn't go bankrupt because back in the day in the seventies, they didn't know if owners were going to be able to pay right. these guys. Right. So. What just to cut through all of that? What it allows you to do now? Now that they've kind of taken away some of the the you know the clamps on the escrow rule that you can try to fight for more guaranteed money in contracts because we know contracts in the NFL are not guaranteed, fully guaranteed. So it gives players the privilege now in their representation or agents to go to teams to try to get more on the more guaranteed on their deal. Which is certainly beneficial for the players. I don't think owners will ever want to do away with that type of rule. Um, not just for the fact to show it that they can pay it, but really so they don't ever have to become the NBA or you know other leagues that actually do guarantee full wages to their players. As long as it doesn't affect football Christmas, I'm good. I'm happy. I don't know about you, Courtney. I don't know about you, Jonathan. I'm happy as long as free agency kicks off next week as planned and as scheduled, and it sounds like it will. So we're all good. We'll hit a quick break after this. Are we doing hot routes next? Is it hot routes time, Jonathan? Jonathan is nodding yes. It's hot routes time. Right after this, Purple Daily, Score North on 1500, scorenorth.com and the Score North app. The Minnesota Golf Passport is back and available right now over at scorenorth.com. You can play 12, 18 hole rounds at 12 beautiful courses for just one low price of $75. That's a $435 value for just $75. Supply is limited, so visit scorenorth.com keyword deals to purchase and learn more. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Hour two of Purple Daily. Caller has questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers. Street! Red, red, red! Red, Blue Poncho! In rapid fire fashion. Gun flex right stack. 394 Dragon Smoke. It's Hot Routes on Purple Daily. 5-8-8-3-9-7! Look, I haven't called it Score North Live yet. That's yeah. definitely a mistake we that. thought I would have made by now. And that I hasn't called, happened. I called a minute and a half or whatever it was. Rami right. Makhlouf in for uh, Matthew Collar on Purple Daily alongside Courtney Cronin of ESPN.com. And it is indeed time for Hot Routes. And uh, Courtney wrote the questions for Hot Routes today. So we figured Courtney should ask the questions for Hot Routes today. And Jonathan I never and get I this privilege because Collar usually comes up with them. He's kind of a control freak, that Matthew yeah, Collar. That's why we had to I don't kick mind, him out of town for a couple days. I don't mind <laughs> handing over the wheel, Courtney. It's all yours. Okay. So as we know, we talked about with Brooke Pryor last segment, the NFL extended the, de- the deadline to apply a franchise and or transition tag. We'll find out if it's one or both to Monday at 11.59 a.m. Eastern time. The legal tampering period starts one minute later at 12 p.m. Eastern time. What kind of change or what kind of last minute shenanigans do you think are going to happen in that one minute gap, Rami? Like, right as soon as it kicks off? Like, so the franchise tag deadline hits, mm-hmm. and then you've got 60 seconds to figure out who's going to be a free agent and who's not. To me, the most intriguing little bit of chaos that could go on is Tom Brady signs with the San Francisco 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo is then promptly traded back to Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. He gets his guy back, and then you just watch... The, the quarterback dominoes fall from there. What does Oakland do? What does Los Angeles do? I mean, there are so many teams. And actually, this just dawned on me last week, Courtney. It seems like there are more established 
starting quarterbacks that'll be on the market via trade and free agency, then there will be actually teams looking for veteran starting quarterbacks in this league. So, I mean, it's huge. So for Kirk, for not Kirk Cousins, for Tom Brady to end up in San Francisco, Jimmy Garoppolo back to New England and see what that does to the rest of the quarterback dominoes, I think is the most fascinating little bit of chaos that could start this thing off. I'm trying to think of what could happen in that last in that one minute, and I like the thing I can come up with is someone gets franchise tagged and they don't want to be tagged, so they demand a trade yeah. within that one minute, and then a trade happens for that player within that one minute. I don't know how quickly that would happen, but that's the thing that keeps coming to my mind is that someone like Dak Prescott gets tagged. Wait, am I misunderstanding like, the question? Because you, you read it, I read it, and I think I still maybe I misunderstand. Misunder- you're saying what could happen at the last minute before free agency before starts? Before free agency ah, starts. Okay, then I think Jonathan answered it right, and I answered it wrong. I think it's Kirk Cousins is traded. If that's I, that's your answer. I, yeah, no, seriously, I do because for like, like I was just talking about, for all the quarterback chaos that we already know is going to go down this year, mm-hmm. to throw that. To just throw that wrench in the machine and see what that does to the the ensuing dominoes that are going to fall. I think that is the craziest, most fascinating and chaotic thing that could happen last minute before free agency starts. I, I understand your point, Jonathan. I'll go from it, go at it from a team side where mm-hmm. the tag and trade happens, and then immediately at at noon, I was about to say midnight at noon, a, the player that was just tagged sixty seconds before. And teams, just to let people know, teams don't have to go ahead and announce this right away. Right. Obviously, it'll leak uh, via people tweeting about it on Twitter, but it's not like they go out and have to announce, hey, we have franchise tagged so-and-so, and they have to do it right away. Um, I think I would love to see, rather, uh, a very last-second tag-and-trade where someone is tagged or we later find out they were tagged right at the deadline um, which we know these things have been in the works for a while. Teams plan. It's not like mm-hmm. they're flying by the seat of their pants here. But for the scenario that I'm playing in my head with this one minute of chaos, I'm mm-hmm. going to say that. So, right. Okay. New NFLPA president, J.C. Treader, who is the Brown center, was apparently voted the best trivia teammate by his Cleveland peers. Quote, him and his fiance watch Jeopardy every night, and he's a Cornell graduate, and I want him on my team. Brown's tight end, Seth DeValve, said via ClevelandBrowns.com. My question for you, Jonathan, I'll start with you here. What game show would you excel at if you were good at trivia? Because I'm not good at trivia. I am I avoid playing it mm-hmm. like the plague. Same. I do not like to go to bars and, and go get a sheet of paper. Bar go, trivia is just annoying. It's just dumb. I, oh. If I'm going to a bar, I want to go drink. Yeah, but same. everybody <laughs> loves to play trivia, except for me. And now the new NFL pre-A president apparently is very good yeah. at it. But game show-wise, which one are you going on? So mine's not a trivia-based one. Mine is a more physical comedy one, Wipeout. You guys remember ABC's yes, Wipeout? I do. Love Wipeout. I watched that for hours on end because I wanted to participate in it so bad. You think you can make it across the big balls? Absolutely not. But I want to try. <laughs> I want to try for the life of me. I want to try. So I think I, I would have I would have the most fun at Wipeout. I don't think I'd be that great at it, but it'd be super fun to do what it. What about American Ninja Warrior? No, I would I would absolutely suck That's at that. That's not really, I mean, I was thinking more like intellectual game no, shows I where you have to those. think. Okay. Not these physical ones mine, that require strength. Mine was short-lived and is not on TV. I'll give you two, because one of them is short-lived and not on TV anymore. Do you guys remember the World Series of Pop Culture on VH1? I, I think not. it lasted no. like two seasons. And it was it was basically a Jeopardy style game show, but it was teams. Uh, so it was like a mix of Family Feud and Jeopardy, 
but it was all about pop culture stuff. Movies, TV, music, etc., etc. And I would watch that with my friends, and they were just blown away by how much I know about absolutely nothing. Like, things that don't matter will never matter, hold no importance in this world. I would clean up watching the World Series of Pop Culture. The other one, because much like Jonathan, I'm not trying to get on one of these intellectual game shows. I stand no chance against a Ken Jennings or a James Holzhauer on a Jeopardy. Put me on The Price is Right. I know how much things cost. And when I'm sitting at home watching The Price is Right, I fare well. I, I'll, I'll kill it in the showcase showdown. I'll kill it in the opening bids. I'm just going to crush Price is Right. And I'm going to give Drew Carey a big, big bear hug. I would probably go on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. I don't know if that's still on TV. I think I, think it I feel is. like sometimes I catch it. I don't know if they're reruns from like three years ago. Terry Crews is hosting that now. I think that's one of his 82 jobs. Office linebacker? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. More you know. Um, I'm really good at process of elimination. And if I can talk myself through an answer, and I know that you have three lifelines and what is it? Phone a friend, ask the audience, and, and uh, then 50-50. 50-50. I could at least get to... The $25,000 question. I'm confident in my ability in that. But Remember not deal Jeopardy. or no deal? Yes, I, I think yes, I, could, I, I, think do I could do well show. at deal or no deal. I would. I, I just can't do I that. I mean, because it's all chance. Mm-hmm. And so I'll just Yeah, give, give me Give me probabilities chances. versus having to actually give you an answer. So. Um, it is. Who Wants to Be a Millionaire is still on TV, and it looks like... Is that the same guy from... Uh, I think Chris Harrison, the host... Of The Bachelor is the host of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? I'm just looking at a picture, and that looks like Chris Harrison. I'll... I'll I'll confirm in a second. Carry on. Okay. That so is not Chris Harrison. Our third hot route today on ESPN.com. Myself and 31 of my colleagues had to pick the best and worst free agent signings of the last five years. So 2015 uh, on. So that's five seasons. Not be before that, not beyond that. Um, I picked for the best free agent signing, which happened in 2016. I have an update. That okay. is Chris Harrison. <laughs> My apologies. So he is the, he is the host. He's yes. in, he hosts the Bachelor. So, I don't watch The Bachelor, so he hosts The Bachelor. So far, it's gone. Regis was the original host, and then it was Meredith Vieira. And since then, it's been Cedric the Entertainer, Terry Crews, and now Chris Harrison, who currently hosts Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Check your local listings. I'm going to go watch it tonight. All right. All right, that's what I'm doing until free agency. Um, so, yeah, back to free agency. In the last five years, I said Terrence Newman was the best free agent acquisition by the Vikings in 2016. Um, and at the worst was Dayton Jones, who was brought in when there were all these concerns about Sharif Floyd and whether he was going to be able to play or not. Dayton Jones, who was a former first-round pick, was brought in in March of 2017 and didn't even make it to the opening day roster later that year. Couldn't even get himself part of the defensive line rotation. Am I right or am I wrong? Or I guess who? Which other? Who else would you throw into those when categories? Because there's several. When I read that, I thought, really? Can that be? Because that's if that's your worst free agent signings, that's not. That's really. That's not too bad. If Dayton Jones is the worst yeah, no, he's I done, mean, they've honestly they've. I and mean, I, I was trying to think of like there. I was like, there's got to be a bigger blunder than that. But I, I honestly, one doesn't come to mind, Courtney, unless unless you just want to. Throw it out there, Kirk Cousins. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's a huge contract, and one might argue that if he if if you don't win a Super Bowl with him, that you didn't get what you paid for in Kirk Cousins. They were looking at a team that was thirteen and three, 
just got to the NFC Championship, had the best defense in the league, and they were thinking the only thing that's stopping us from winning a Super Bowl is upgrading the quarterback position on Case Keenum. So they spent top dollar, they brought in Kirk Cousins, they did something unprecedented in giving him a fully guaranteed deal for three years, and I think a lot of people looked at that and said it's Super Bowl or bust. If if you don't sure. win a Super Bowl, that Money deal is a failure. That. right? But I just don't think you can judge that entirely yet. I thought there is about, one year left on the deal. I thought about putting Kirk in that category for best or worst. Um, and I mean, Case Keenum, Jonathan, I think mm-hmm. is somebody who makes his case for best, uh, one of the best free agent yeah. signings. But it was so short lived that that's why I went with Terrence Newman, just because of the long lasting impact. I agree with uh, the Case Keenum argument there because you brought him in to be the backup and then he leads you to the NFC Championship game. Two guys who I think might have a shout for being the worst. One, not because of his own play, but because the Vikings played him out of position, Mike Remmers, mm-hmm. and then Kendall Wright, who was signed March 30th, and then promptly cut September 1st. So he didn't even make a game day roster. Kendall Wright was supposed to be wide receiver three. I don't know what yeah. you're talking about. I don't know what happened. It's brought I- in for Jarius, right? And uh, he couldn't live up to those high standards. Yeah, that was... Um the Kendall Wright era is one that Matthew Collar and I look back upon fondly. By the way, I had literally blocked out Mike Glennon until I read that Mike Glennon was the worst signing for the Bears. As a Bears fan, oh, I yeah. had just blocked mm-hmm. out that they gave him that a, lot dude of money. a lot of money and his long neck $18 million. <laughs> that freakishly long neck. Yesterday, Oklahoma coach Lincoln Riley announced the university's plans to unveil a statue, a bronze statue, of Baker Mayfield during the spring football game on April 18th. Really? Yes. All right. I am all for honoring history as it happens. You know, there's jersey retirements and, you know, putting someone's name up in the rafters, what have you. Um, And maybe I'm in the minority here, but it feels a little odd to canonize a player this soon after he left his program. Um, especially when there are others, i.e. Sam Bradford, there's no statue of him anywhere that I've checked. Baker Mayfield really that good and that important? Um, so yeah, I'm gonna start with you here, Rami. Are you pro statue or are you against? No, it? that seems that seems not even borderline crazy. That seems full on crazy. Like <laughs> the dude could still be an NFL bust. Like that's still a very real possibility. And you're gonna have a statue of an NFL bust outside your football stadium. Like this is just a recruiting ploy, isn't it? This makes no sense whatsoever. It I feel, could be. I feel like I feel like five years from now we're gonna have Oklahoma students tearing down the statue of Baker Mayfield, like we've seen. <laughs> with, Yes, oh like we've God. seen with other historical statues. People are just going to be so embarrassed by his failures at the NFL level that there will be a mob of angry Oklahoma football fans tearing down the statue of, of Baker Mayfield. You know how much a statue was, Jonathan? I have no idea. $90,000. What? What's reportedly how much it is worth. That's egregious. I... Oklahoma is a public institution. I wonder. I hope taxpayer dollars are not paying for that. I wonder how much point. of that is materials and how much of that is to is to contract the artist. How much does an artist make to sculpt a Baker Mayfield? I don't know. I'm against it until they're at least retired from the profession you're honoring them sure. for. Like he's still playing football. How about you wait till his career's done before making this statue of him outside of your stadium? And also, like I said, this definitely feels like a recruiting. Like, hey, you come in, you come have one good year here at Oklahoma, go into the NFL, and you know you wait two years. We'll make a statue of you and immortalize you. It seems ridiculous. I'm against it because I'm not a big fan of honoring people in that way while they are alive. Did we not take any sort of lessons from Greek mythology about all the statues of all the Greek gods that were erected while they were alive and just the greed and gluttony and mm-hmm. all that other nonsense? Um, 
Do not make statues for people while they are alive, no matter how young or old they are. I'll leave it at that. Like Baker Mayfield doesn't, I mean, he has some erratic off the field behavior. This could end up being super embarrassing <laughs> for, the, for university. the University of like Oklahoma. He got arrested and it was on camera. Yeah, he got he didn't tackled even choose by your a program cop. at first. He chose a different program, if exactly. I remember correctly, didn't he? He went to Texas Tech, yeah. Yeah. And he came in as a walk on. No, this is bonkers. Yeah. This, this is, is this is absolutely crazy. He chose someone else before he chose you. Like, he chose you because he couldn't get the job because Patrick Mahomes was in front of him at Texas Tech, so he came to you afterwards. They didn't even win a national championship. I know. Sam Bradford won a national championship. Go ahead and build a statue for him. I'll, I'll do an sure exception to the rule. Are you sure this wasn't the onion? No, this, I promise this you. Is this is real. This, this isn't is click hole or one this of those. This is ridiculous. This is real. Wow. Real. All right. Um, all right, last one. Tom Brady announced yesterday the launch of 199 Productions. If I didn't tell you that it was named in honor of his draft position, which was the 199th pick overall in the 2000 draft, would you believe or read into it being where he wants to go in free agency if you separate those num- those numbers, one, niner, niner? I was trying to come up with some kind of conspiracy as to what 199 could mean, and I honestly, I came up with nothing. Jonathan, did you come up with something as to what? I'm gonna take it off what a point. What that could mean? I'm gonna take it off a point you said on Mackie and Judd with Rami yesterday. I would have believed it signaled that he intends to be near or as close as he could get to Hollywood, aka L.A. Well, yeah, that was the first. That wait, was, I'm confused. Can you explain that? Because he's creating a production company, a TV or film production company. Gotcha. So where would you want to be? He wants to be in Hollywood. Yeah. Sure. So, that was a speculation hmm. for a lot Chargers. of people. Exactly. That was a speculation for a lot of people when LeBron started his yeah, production Spring company, Hill. and then. Signed with the Los Angeles Lakers, so that's where mo- and that was where my mind went immediately. But just mm-hmm. going off the one nine nine, I didn't have any conspiracy. I guess I just read into it too much because I look at nine, I'm like niner. That's just where my ah, head like forty niners, so, one niner niner. I see where you're going. That's just, I mean, it was a little something that I was playing around with, but um, I don't know. It doesn't feel like he's going to head to. The 49ers in free agency. I know that they've kind of been coy throughout this whole process and never kind of really never felt like a true candidate to get his services. But, you know, they've also never felt like they've really fully backed Jimmy Garoppolo and all this. That's been the weird part about this whole thing for me in terms of the Niners and and their involvement in the Brady rumors is Mm -hmm. that they like you said, they haven't strongly come out and denied anything or strongly come out and endorsed Jimmy Garoppolo. They can't. Can't feel good for that dude. No, and, and I think that there's reason to believe too. If you're looking at, you know, several of the destinations for him, why would that one make sense? Well, it's a Super Bowl team. It got mm-hmm. you there. It's an elite defense. He's got a ton of weapons. He's got a great running game that could certainly help somebody at 43 years old. But there's too many like, just too many ways for him to get there. That you know, I guess just too many paths to cross. And that's also the team that. he grew up rooting for. Sure. He grew up in the grew Bay, up in the Bay, in the Bay area. area. And a lot of people speculated when. Because Bill Belichick is an evil genius, when they traded Jimmy Garoppolo to the 49ers, that it was some 3D chess on his part in blocking Brady's next move should he leave in free agency, like is now a possibility, and go to the 49ers and eliminate basically his number one option to leave the Patriots. And I think that there might very well be something to that because Bill Belichick is that smart and that evil of a genius. But Tom Brady, if he wanted to one-up him and wanted to go play for his hometown team, would indeed go and play for the San... That's the only reason it makes sense to me. It's his hometown team. If he wants to stick it to Belichick, Mm -hmm. who tried to stick it to him, he would go and play for the 49ers. And like you said, it's a place where he can go and win. Yeah, That's a a ready-made team. They just played in the Super Bowl, and adding Tom Brady certainly doesn't hurt your chances. To me, there's one... There's there's two teams that make sense for this whole thing. 
Um, it's either going back to New England, because I think Robert Kraft, as much as we you know, put this on the Tom Brady and Bill Belichick relationship, Kraft has to come through at the end of the day sure. um, to, to pony up that type of money, because we know his two-year $70 million deal ended up being a one-year deal, and he was able to void that second year of his contract. They don't pay players at market value, but at 43 years old, how many more years does he have left? Is it one year? Is it two years? He said he wants to play till he's 45. He needs to get compensated that same way. Mm-hmm. I think it's either the New England Patriots or the Tennessee Titans. Those are the only two that make sense, like true sense. I can actually come up with valid arguments for both of them. I think the Chargers make some sense. I think that's they a better have no offensive line at forty-three years old. You need a little bit more than that. And that's how can, true. can you convince him pre-free agency? Hey, we're going to be active. We're going to go after uh, Jack Conklin. We're going to go after you know, name another Trent Williams. Like, do they even have the cap space to do that? Like, I just don't think that they. I think time's kind of run out on them right now. Like, even the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you can't convince me that they're a quarterback away from trying to win the Super Bowl. Right. Like, and if he wants to go to a place he's still competitive. I don't think either of those really, truly makes sense, especially when you're in the AFC West. That's why the Raiders don't make sense to me. You have to go against the Chiefs twice a year. That's I have heard, tough. and I don't, I don't buy this just because I, 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 can't, I can't imagine that Tom Brady would think this way, but there are people who think that Tom Brady's number one priority isn't necessarily going somewhere that he can win. A, he wants to get top dollar because it's something he's never been able to do in New England because, as you keep pointing out, they don't pay market value for anybody on but their roster. I do think that he's been compensated elsewhere. I mean, sure, there's, absolutely. There's been stuff out there long enough that he's either getting paid under the table or there's other things that are happening. And, I mean, the guy's made millions and millions of dollars through football but also through endorsements. So mm-hmm. there's those things. But to make one last run at a paycheck... Well, that and he just wants to go somewhere where he can be happy and doesn't have Bill Belichick beating him over the head. How much of this do you think, because, you know, we've done a million different studies and and speculations and and just everything on what this would mean to him. But, like, how much of it is I need to go prove that I can win without Bill Belichick? I think how much of it for Belichick is I can I need to prove that I can win without 12. I think for both of them that that definitely will be in play. I don't think either one of them wants to move on. For that reason specifically, but that'll definitely be a motivating factor if they part ways. I, I think that Brady would definitely like to prove, hey, I'm more than just the guy who is in Bill Belichick's system and organization and the genius that he is. And Bill Belichick would like to prove I'm that much of a genius and I can win it with or without Tom Brady. I, I don't think there's any doubt with two guys who have accomplished as much as they have and who have the mindset that those two guys have that that wouldn't be a little bit of extra juice for them if if this thing ends up in a divorce. Mm-hmm. And if it ends up in a divorce and he goes to Tennessee, he's playing for a friend. Mm-hmm. Like Mike Vrabel was his teammate many, many, many years ago, caught two passes from him in a Super Bowl. I feel like people forget about that. Like when they were throwing out some trick packages, he actually caught touchdowns. Um, could that end up being a bad fit at the end of the day where – You know, we've seen the Josh McDaniels and Tom Brady blow-ups on the sideline. Now, Mike Vrabel is the head coach, and he's a defensive-minded guy, but what if you start arguing with your quarterback's coach or whoever's in your headset on game day, your offensive coordinator, and, you know, short down and distances, is it going to fall on Tom Brady? And then he and Mike Vrabel are getting into it. I mean, I don't know if that's the right fit just in terms of the relationship standpoint. Can you really make it work where somebody's already been your friend, we're going to find this out here with David Ross. Right. You know, pretty soon with the Chicago Cubs to find out if somebody who was part of a championship team and is now 
the boss, essentially, of the entire roster, you know, game day decisions. I just don't know if I really believe that would work out from that perspective. But in terms of the roster and the makeup and what they have and having Derrick Henry, who's probably going to get franchise tagged, having an incredibly good rushing attack and you have weapons there, that's alluring to me. I think that's probably his best chance to win. And by the way, him going back to New England at this point would just be boring. That that can't be very boring. That can't be what happens. I'm gonna be I'm gonna yeah, be real. Christmas. I'm gonna I mean... be real disappointed <laughs> if Tom Brady goes back to the New England Patriots because that would just absolutely be the most boring outcome. I think that dynamic that you're talking about, though, in terms of the the power structure, if he goes to Tennessee or anywhere else, I think it's gonna be really hard and it's going to take a really strong personality to do anything but defer to Tom Brady. Like you said, he has an established relationship with Josh McDaniels and he knows his place in that organization and he knows he's not surrounded by yes men and he's going to be challenged by McDaniels. He's going to be challenged by Bill Belichick and people within that organization, probably his quarterback's coach too. I think if he goes somewhere else, a lot of people are going to be deferring to Tom Brady and bowing down to him. And is he just going to is he just going to accept that and and take the reins, or is he a guy who needs some dissent around him? Isn't at his best when he's surrounded by yes men, and is he is he self aware enough to know that? Is he going to insist they they get somebody to challenge him, whether it's in Tennessee or somewhere else? A guy like that with those accomplishments mm-hmm. and those rings walks in the building, and suddenly everybody is bowing down to you and just doing whatever you want. And that's not always the best thing for you. Yeah, I don't think that that's like when we weigh the decision making process. I don't know if him knowing Vrabel and and being close with them, and obviously you saw the Julian Edelman and Tom Brady FaceTime with Vrabel that somebody caught at the Syracuse game, mm-hmm. which I, I kind of realize now, like, well, why were they there? Be the Syracuse uh, UNC game. Well, they both have the same agent. Don Yee has two clients, and it's Julian Edelman and it's Tom Brady. I didn't really put those two pieces but together. But why a Syracuse game, and why were they with Jimmy Fallon? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> agents are powerful. He's like, here's two tickets. Have fun. All right. So that was, I just thought about that the other day. Anyways, um, it would be. I, I just think that the friendship aspect there, and you know the working relationship. We don't know how that would work out. So to me, I'm not weighing that any higher than I would weigh the supporting cast that he would have there. The fact that they're playing in an AFC South that's kind of all over the place. Jacksonville is, you know, potentially going to be moving on from Nick Foles. They're in cap hell and they are probably several years away from being competitive. What's Indianapolis going to do? Like are they go are they who are they going after? Is Phillip Rivers even still an option uh at quarterback? I mean I just that quarterback situation up there doesn't seem very solid and the Texans are, you know, so up and down and it feels like they kind of had their ceiling set at being an AFC South um, you know, first or second place finisher in losing wild card weekends. So I mean it's gonna be so fun. It, I think Tennessee's a really good destination and honestly if he wants to compete for a Super Bowl, there's probably not a better team outside of New England for him. I agree with you that it's his best place to go if he wants to try to win. It's also to me, as I try and envision Tom Brady in different jerseys, the weirdest look of yeah. any of them. Tom Brady Bring in a Titans jersey just seems so odd to me. <laughs> Every time I try and picture it, it just seems so odd to me. we got to get to a break. On the other side of the case, for signing Dalvin Cook to an extension, against signing Dalvin Cook to an extension, and what exactly are your options if you choose the latter? It's Purple Daily. We're on Score North on 1500, scorenorth.com, and the Score North app. Listen and win with the free Score North app. This month, one lucky winner will win a $200 gift card to Best Buy just for having and using the Score North app. All you have to do is register your app, listen to your favorite Score North content, and you could be a winner. 
Jonathan here with the Score North download. Download. Be there at, for the conclusion of the Fastenal Parallel 45 Winter Festival on Tuesday, March 17th, for the 2020 Cross Country Ski World Cup Sprint Finals, featuring the best cross country skiers in the world. For ticket information, please visit mnworldcup.com. If you missed it at the top of Purple Daily, we had some reckless speculation because of this from Diana Rossini on Get Up this morning. I, I think there's another quarterback that's going to be on the market soon that the 49ers are going, to, are going to want to take a look at, and he's in Minnesota right now. I think we all know the history between Kyle Shanahan and Kirk Cousins. This is something that's been going on for years. I've never seen somebody want a quarterback as bad as Kyle Shanahan has, and it was a deal that almost happened, too. Kyle, uh, Kirk Cousins almost wound up with Kyle in San Francisco. It did not, uh, and I, I think they're waiting for that deal to, to, to wrap up. Maybe even a trade. We don't know if that that could actually happen. But these are things that are on the table. Courtney and Rami's thoughts will be podcasted here in about 25 minutes' time once this show is done. But you can also hear Mackie, Judd, and Rami's thoughts on that as well coming up at 4 o'clock for Mackie and Judd with Rami. That's been your Score North Download. Now back to the final segment of the day of Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan, on 1500scorenorth.com, Score North app, on, uh, and in the TCL broadcast studios. Rami Makloff in for Matthew Collar, Courtney Cronin alongside. It'll be us again tomorrow in this time slot on this show, and we're joined by uh, Bill Barnwell of ESPN.com. He often is the one who tips the first domino in reckless speculation that goes on here. I love his articles. He's it's so very good. It's must-read every Orwellian, time. Yes. Where you can just go down all of the rabbit holes, and but you can very accurately see how all the dominoes fit. So I'm very eager. I heard him on uh, ESPN's daily podcast yesterday talking about the Tom Brady situation, and I do believe that he took the field. I think the, the way that the conversation wrapped up there at the end was, if you were betting on it, do you take the New England Patriots? Because it kind of feels like a strong bet that he would end up going back there, that they can't just let him walk out the door, right. especially as we mentioned, it falls on Robert Kraft to kind of make this thing right. Or would you take 31 other teams? I'd take the field, too. I would, too. I think the field is probably the better bet at this point. Mm-hmm. It just, there's just so much indicating that Tom Brady is at least going to seriously explore his options elsewhere. And I can't imagine somebody isn't going to present something enticing enough for him to take it and go play football elsewhere. I'd, yeah. I'd, I really have a strong feeling that that's going to be the case. But And by the way, his and I know you guys talked about it. The piece a few weeks ago, the actual article about dominoes falling... Yes. And it was like it, it was so good, and it gives you so many different possible scenarios with the the free agents. Really, kind of an unprecedented free agent market. And then you throw in the guys who are going to be available via trade, or at least reportedly will be available via trade. And this offseason is just going to be nuts. You had a piece at ESPN.com recently looking at the positives, the negatives, the possibilities of signing. Uh, God, I just drew a complete blank. Dalvin Cook mm-hmm. to a contract extension. First of all. My first question is, why would the Vikings do this at this point? Because all we're hearing is about they need to free up cap space. Mm -hmm. That's why you would talk about an extension with Kirk Cousins. That's why Everson Griffin is talking about a reduced salary right now. All their moves at this point are geared towards freeing up cap space. With him being on a rookie contract, whatever deal, should they come to some sort of extension with Dalvin Cook, it's going to be more against the cap than what he's being paid now. Well, yeah, and that's the thing that we need to clarify here. That there are no sort of like benefits with the salary cap, like an ex- a cousin's extension wouldn't, you know, would help get the, his number down. It's thirty-one million dollar cap hit, which is sixteen percent of the cap. That's a lot. Dalvin is still he's he has a two point oh two million dollar cap hit. He makes one point three million dollars in the final year of his rookie deal in twenty twenty. Um, he certainly 
played above that. I mean, he's one of the best running backs in the NFL. I think the reason, at least the reason I wrote about it, um, he's eligible for an extension, number one. Past his third year, he just put the third season in the books, coming off an incredible this is when year. Almost We're, any team would talk about it with a player who's done what he's done exactly. on his rookie deal. Yep. Ezekiel Elliott, same sort of situation. Todd Gurley, same sort of situation two years ago. Uh, for running backs, it makes sense to do it now. Um, and I also think that you run the risk of a holdout, a very serious holdout, like a very serious risk of doing that, and rightfully so, because running backs, as we know, the wear and tear that they have on their bodies. You can't put yourself at risk of not ne- of not getting that second contract um, and of getting hurt in training camp. So I think that the timing aspect is something to focus on. Now, Rick Spielman was asked about this at the NFL Combine two weeks ago and said that they usually don't talk extensions until the draft is over. So that and, and they've got too much to do right now. Like they've got a lot of free agents they've got to figure out from Anthony Harris to Mackenzie Alexander, Trey Waynes, uh, Stephen Weatherly, Everson Griffin, blah, blah, blah. Keeps going on and on. They've got a lot on their plate. So I don't anticipate something like this happening in the short term. But the reason I wrote about it is it's something you want to keep your eye on going into OTAs, going into mandatory minicamp, but certainly going into the offseason program um, or going into training camp because if he's doesn't get a deal before then, I do believe we are headed towards not seeing him at camp. And one thing I want to add on that, um, the new CBA, if it does indeed pass this Saturday, has much harsher penalties for, let's call them vested veterans. Um, he's Alvin's a veteran at this point. He's played three years, but he's on the final year of a rookie deal. But veterans who are, you know, looking for a third, a fourth contract, things like that, there's harsher penalties for them in terms of, uh, fines that they will have to incur and money that they won't get back for either leaving training camp early, for not showing up, for holding out. But for players like Ezekiel Elliott did last year of missing the entire training camp to go to Cabo and then he ends up getting his big deal at the end of August. Um, they are not going to, at least from what we read with the language, from what I understand, they will not penalize players who are trying to get that extension going into the final year of their rookie deal. So it it's obviously still in play right now. Yes. If they wanted to talk about a contract extension with Dalvin sure. Cook. They that, could talk about the, it right now. They could have done it in the middle of but, the at the end of last season. The type of money that's going to get thrown around in these negotiations is is big-time money. Like you talked about, he's been one of the best running backs in this league when he's healthy. And we're talking about Ezekiel Elliott, who got six years, $90 million. Todd Gurley got four years, $57 million. And those teams already kind of regretting those deals. It's It's harsh to say, but in today's day and age, paying a running back who's entering that phase of their career often just doesn't make sense when you look around the NFL. Yeah, and what I tried to do was just kind of lay out what an extension looks like, not necessarily taking one side or the other, but you can point to very reasonable arguments on both sides of why you should pay him. Nearly 40% of the offense ran through Cook last year. With a quarterback like Kirk Cousins, you damn sure better have a good running game behind that. I mean, that's what this offense is predicated on. Gary Kubiak's scheme whether it's Cook or somebody else, which I think is the argument of why you wouldn't pay, want to necessarily give him the big extension, um, it still needs that workhorse back, whether it's Dalvin or someone else. But what he's shown in the year leading into the possible extension um, of why of you know what he did in 2018, excuse me, 2019, still hasn't played a fully full 16 game season. He hasn't been fully healthy, um, which I know that. In negotiations, that will certainly come up as a point on the Vikings side as point of leverage for them of why they wouldn't want to pay necessarily top dollar. But 
he is one of the most explosive backs in the NFL right now. Is he a once-in-a-generation player like an Adrian Peterson? I don't know if you can really make that sort of argument. I know that there is the argument of like, well, they did a deal with Adrian Peterson, you know, when they made him, what, $14 million a year running back back in 2011. Well, that was an entirely different era of the NFL. That was nine years ago. Is there precedent with this team? You could, you might be able to say that. And Adrian Peterson kind of was the franchise at that point in the face yeah. of the franchise. There's Dalvin value in that ab- as well. I do think Dalvin is absolutely trending that way, though. I mean, he is so much more than just Vikings football right now. I mean, he's... You know, I would say nationally speaking, he's not quite there, but certainly within this community, all of the work that he does with Vikings Table and his hunger initiatives and, you know, all of the work that he's done to prove the Vikings right of why they traded up to draft him 41st overall in 2017, he's checked every box. Um, he can be your franchise guy. It's just, you know, how much, where are you guys going to come to from, from his perspective and the Vikings? Like, where are they going to come and agree? Like, what is the fair number? Um, and there's, you know, we talk about the the Todd Gurley's, the, the Ezekiel Elliott's, um, Le'Veon Bell. Bell was another reference. David in there. Johnson has a terrible contract, so I really should, I forgot how bad that contract. I should was. really take that one out and just kind of look at the top <laughs> three because of the way that that thing is structured. And you know, honestly, he hasn't been the same since the injury and the decline there and his age of where he's at. And now they're trying to trade him. And now they're trying to trade him allegedly. Um, that's interesting because anybody who's getting him at what thirty one, he's thirty two years old. Like that's just not a good spot to be in. And I don't really know what you gave him a three year extension. You point out in the yep. article with thirty one point eight eight two million guaranteed mm-hmm. for running back, and he got hurt that same season. And, and very much like Dalvin Cook, he's he's that same style of running back, the same mold. He was a guy who could catch it out of the backfield, really dynamic, mm-hmm. and really did a lot to help an offense, but you see how even that can go wrong. And injuries are always a concern in the NFL at any position, but especially at the running back position and and especially with Dalvin Cook's track record. I if I'm the Vikings, I, I I couldn't I couldn't justify giving him a deal along the lines of a Zeke or a Todd Gurley because of what running backs are in the league today and what they mean to an offense in the sense that it seems like you can plug and play a different guy in there often. And I I just and on top of that, the injury concerns and the fact that he's zero for three in terms of playing a sixteen game season, that's that's just that's that's too much for me to invest in a guy like that at this point. And I love Dalvin Cook. Mm-hmm. I think he's an absolute beast. You would know better than I would, but seems like a great guy to have around the locker room and around the team. But from a pure business standpoint, that just seems like a lot for that particular guy in that particular position in this day and age. Yeah, and I, I do think if you look at it from that argument of, well, maybe don't extend him right now, the Vikings aren't in any rush to do this. I want to make that clear. Because right. I got some questions. Well, why did you write this article now? Like, is this something that's being like seriously talked about? Um, certainly it's being milled around right now within the front office. I mean, it's either, he's always on their radar. I mean, Spielman and Mike Zimmer spoke to us about this. Uh, two weeks ago when we were in Indianapolis. It's off-season business. But I don't think they're in any sort of rush to get this done in the short term, meaning like have to get it done before free agency. Not at all. Um, paying him now when his value is where it is, and ex- if you really expect him to have a upward trajectory where he's only going to get better than this. I mean, he he had a really darn good season last year. And I mean, the touches of where he's at, he had less mileage, has less mileage on him because of the injuries um, than Adrian Peterson did by the time that he got his extension. And it's really the only thing that you can you can pull from that. Um, but in ter- determining of like, is he worth it? 
I think he is worth an extension. I do. I think that there is reason to believe that you can't just say, oh, I'm just going to get another running back and plug him in the system. It'll be the same. He could be similar, but Dalvin Cook is very explosive and does a lot of things Absolutely. really, really well. Yeah. So you might be losing out on that factor, but... You know, I think you'll lose a little bit. It's it's going to be really hard to get a replacement level running back of Dalvin Cook. I'm not saying yeah. I'm not saying that whoever you get will be Dalvin Cook all over again. There's probably a little bit of a drop off, but I think you can find a sufficient replacement. And what comes to mind for me, you mentioned Gary Kubiak's system and how well Dalvin Cook fits in this system and everything that he can do about it. When Gary Kubiak was the head coach in Denver, it seemed like every year they had Somebody a different, different running back and, and and it didn't seem to matter. Like I said, Davis, they just plug Anderson. and played. And even when you go back to Houston with a- Arian Foster, I mean, they let took Clint- him from a no-name guy to a Pro Bowl. They traded Clinton Portis at mm-hmm. this at this very same stage in his career. It was time to talk contract extension or or talk about some different options and they decided you know what? We can move on from Clinton Portis when when Gary Kubiak was the head coach of the of the the Broncos. Portis's last year in Denver, they had as a team twenty six hundred and twenty nine rushing yards. The following year, after they traded him, they actually ran for more yards two thousand three hundred and thirty three yards. His system, for whatever reason, seems like you can you can plug guys in there and they'll produce because of the system, because of the blocking, the zone blocking scheme that he uses, the style of offensive line that he uses. It seems like it's just suited to or catered to being yeah. able to run the football. And I really like what I've seen from Alexander Madison. You get somebody to pair with him in the backfield as a, as a two-headed monster, and I think you have a much more cost-effective backfield than you would if you brought back Dalvin Cook. Yeah, and I mean, there's... It, it, I'm not... I know that there are people out there who say never pay a running back on his second contract. It's a waste of money in today's NFL, given all that they are asked to do, and their bodies are put through the ringer, probably more than any other position yeah. in the NFL. Like they are battering rams. Right. And that takes a lot of that takes a toll. That's why you don't see many running backs playing into their thirties. And, you know, when you already have injury concerns, and I think that, you know, it's kind of wise for Mike Zimmer to shoot down the notion. I think he was asked, I don't know how exactly it was phrased, but the question um, was about Dalvin being injury rep- injury prone in, in Indianapolis. He was asked by someone at the podium session about that. And he said, like, I don't think he's injury prone. He said, you know, he had a, he had a knee and a hamstring. Or I think he left out the hamstring. Um to like a knee and a shoulder. So like basically what happened with his ACL his rookie year and then his shoulder this past year where he got banged up. Um, he obviously returned because they needed him so badly uh, to be fresh for the playoffs. Because imagine if he doesn't have the type of performance he did in New Orleans. You I don't, know, I don't think got you... the offense going there. But, you know, paying Dalvin now, the argument to do it, and I just pulled up his numbers. So like he had, his production was almost identical to Peterson's at the time that he got his extension in 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, so coming off 2019 season, Cook had 1,654 total yards from scrimmage and 13 touchdowns. If you expect his trajectory to continue going upwards, well, why not get in essentially on the low of doing that instead of, you know, you run the risk of letting him hit free agency and then he, you, he outprices what you could pay him next year. Or, you know, you could decide, hey, we're not going to extend you right now if he does indeed not hold out and he plays because we saw the Mel- how the Melvin Gordon situation played out. What happened? Melvin Gordon came crawling back, and Austin Eckler just got a sizable extension for himself. As a former UDFA, got a big extension, right. averaging just under $7 million a year on Friday. Um, some may argue that that's, you know, 
crazy that that's something that's way too low for running backs, especially if somebody as good as him. He's really good at catching the ball. Um, but, you know, if you get, if Dalvin really is, if you view him as not only the focal point of your offense, but the face, face of your franchise, then it totally makes sense from I know, that perspective. I know coaches and players take offense to that injury-prone label that you might mm-hmm. put out because it almost sounds like you're blaming the guy yeah. that he gets hurt a lot or that it's his fault, and that's that's really not all I'm saying. That's really not at all what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, whether it's just dumb luck or whether it's it's his running style, the the fact of the matter is, Dalvin Cook, going back to his last year at Florida State, hasn't played a full season healthy, and, and that's a track record. You can definitely say at this point that maybe it's just bad luck, but he is injury prone. He hasn't been as available as you would like him to be to this stage in his career. But I do think that, you know, every coach, every person you talk to has talked about how hard he's worked in sure. his rehab and no one's going to deny that or be able to take it away from him. You know, I remember doing a sit down with him going into the 2019 training camp. Um and just talking about like how hard he worked to come back. And I think he knows his body better now than he probably has at any other point of his career. Because you mentioned, I mean, the labrum surgery at Florida State. And then, you know, early on in his rookie campaign, you know, U.S. Bank Stadium, week four of the season, he tears his ACL. And then the hamstring injury week two in Green Bay um, hurts, him, hurts his hamstring there and then can't come back because he try, he's trying too hard to come back and then ends up putting himself further behind the timeline to get back. It's fact. I mean, he has not played a full 16-game season. Does that matter to the Vikings at the end of it when they view him the way that they do or the way that we think that they do? I don't know. I just, where is the sweet spot? I think that that's where we come to the argument here. Is it in the 8 to $10 million range? Is that too low? Should you go up to 10 to $12 million? I don't think he's getting $15 million just based on what we've seen with running back contracts before. Like, And that's no slight on Dalvin. Not at all. I just think that this is a generation and a day and age where we saw running back contracts start to make a very quick upswing with Todd Gurley, with Le'Veon Bell obviously doing the holdout and then getting paid all that money with the Jets. Um, and then they underperformed. And I mean, Gurley has a degenerative knee. I don't know what the deal was with Le'Veon Bell and the Jets, and he just didn't perform to where we expected him to or perform up to the level of that contract. Teams are going to look at that. The Minnesota Vikings could look at that and say, well, that's a point of caution for us of why we don't want to go there. But I do think that you can't rule it out. I mean, depending upon what happens with Cousins, too. I mean, you know, do you want to sync those two up? Or do you are you okay then moving beyond Kirk? You know, like, let's say they do. Like, let's say that this is the way it happens. They don't extend Kirk, and they end up extending Cook this offseason. Well, you could move on from Kirk, and I guess it really wouldn't matter. If you're still in a Mike Zimmer team where you're running the ball first, and that's your run-first mentality right. is going to carry you, then it shouldn't matter who's giving Cook the ball or who's handing it off to him. If he is the focal point of your offense, at that point, you know, you certainly should be compensated as such. If they can't come to an agreement and there is no extension this offseason, you brought up the possibility of a holdout. I feel like it's honestly smart for him to hold out. I mean, you know... I would agree. ...know the value of your body. You know right. the value of you of what you do. You know what you're being asked to do is tough. Um, and, you know, you run the risk of injury... Every time that you step out there, I mean, sure, every player does, but specifically for a running back, um, that, you know, it feels like a, a holdout it's, might be the, it's definitely the smartest thing to do. Do you think they explore a trade if, if they can't come to some sort of an I agreement? Collar and I have talked about that before. Like, he certainly has value. Like, if he oh ever my, has value, it's yeah. now, oh right? My gosh, Coming he off has that value. season yeah, and, absolutely. and absolutely. Um, but, 
I guess they could. I mean, I never really I've we've toyed around with the idea, but I just know how big of a part of this offense he is to to think that you can just replace him. I think it's short-sighted. I do believe that if you wanted to kind of keep this thing as a well-oiled machine, depending upon how much longer you're running Gary Kubiak's offense here, that, you know, they like Alexander Madison. They saw what he could do as a, in a starter's role for a very limited period of time. Um, and obviously when he's had the chance, he's looked really good. But can you go get another Dalvin-style back, somebody who has the same physical build, the same tools, the same skill set, I'm sure you could find him, but will it ever be Dalvin Cook? I don't know. Probably I mean, but, not. No. But people also said, how are they going to replace Adrian Peterson? And what they do? They drafted Dalvin Cook. And the Broncos, people thought it was crazy that you would trade Clinton Portis mm-hmm. at the height of his powers as a running back. And they just kept plugging right along there in Denver again with Gary Kubiak's offense. Got a couple minutes left here. And uh, today at The Athletic, they were going through, I think they ranked the top 40 or 42, which is a very odd number to land on, players most likely to be traded mm-hmm. in the NFL. And number 10 on the list was Stephon Diggs. And Arif talks about all the reasons that we've talked about why you might trade a Stephon Diggs. I'll read you a little bit of it. He says he was visibly unhappy at times throughout the year. Would Diggs be better off in a more pass-happy offense? Could the Vikings get a first-round pick and something else in a trade? And he goes on to talk about it. But for all the talk about how crazy it is that we would even fathom trading Kirk Cousins, it's more of a cap hit if they trade Stephon Diggs this offseason than There's, if they yeah, trade Kirk Cousins. Nine, I think nine-ish million in dead money or whatever. They it only is. save five million dollars mm-hmm. in cap space if they trade Stephon Diggs. I don't think I don't for all the drama that he's stirred up with his ominous tweets, and there's been a few more in the last 24 hours or so. I really don't think unless he makes himself an Antonio Brown type of problem for this organization, that even if he wants out, that they're gonna bend and give him his way. The production that you get out of that guy at the price that you have him at. Is just that's really hard to find in this league. But what if you get an offer that you can't refuse? What if it's Trent Williams? If if they want him here, I know that obviously the first line of thought would be, well, what do you do with Riley Reef? Well, maybe it's trading him in a fourth, or you know, they're going to want a second round pick. I think they're going to want a player and a second round pick sure. in terms of compensation for what they think Trent Williams' value is on the open market. Um, anyways, I mean, I know what Rick Spielman said. At the combine, and he said all the right things about how you know we basically like. I mean, he, we'd be crazy to think that he wouldn't be part of the plans. Like he's, of course, the team's going forward with Diggs as part of their plans for the 2020 roster, as they should. I know. I sat in this chair about a month ago explaining why it was ludicrous to think that you would just trade him because he's mad, like or and we don't even know like. Be, there's so much. Where did this thing come from? It's my I his know, weird tweets. I know that in the last the, 24 hours. This is oh, what, I know. Airplane food's bad or something. Airplane like that. food yeah. ain't it. Dot dot dot. That was 21 hours ago. Then I know my I know my worth. This one I get. R.I.P. Biggie. Yesterday I think was 20 years since Biggie yeah. was shot down. And then uh, today, just five hours ago, let's work. I, I mean, don't know what any of this means. No, but we're putting too much stock in the stream of consciousness tweeting. I still have no idea where it came from, but to circle back, I think that if the price was right for Stefan Diggs, consider it. Absolutely. Because he is a damn good player, and you could probably get a nice haul for him. That's Courtney Cronin. You can find her work at ESPN.com. Follow her on Twitter at Courtney R. Cronin. I'll be right back. Mackie and Judd with Rami. This has been Purple Daily on 1500, scorenorth.com, and the Score North app. 
This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup, so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.